0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of Tales from the Booth. I'm Rob Adams. Last time we addressed some of the earliest known recordings, not only in sports history, but perhaps in American broadcasting history. We're going to continue on that theme here again. First, a word of thanks for the feedback from the first show. Most reviews were positive and even glowing. There were a few suggestions as well, and I thank everyone for checking it out. As I said in our first show, nothing is set in stone here. Just let me wade through what works best and what sounds best, and hopefully we'll find the right mix. Another note is about copyrights. I'm doing everything I can to research all of this and make sure we're properly sourcing what we're doing. I'm pleased to make any necessary adjustments to ensure we all get what we desire out of this show. Now on to the program. As we've scoured the internet, I've tried to find the oldest audio I can come up with. That, as I said, was the basis of last week's show. Still finding old sports audio prior to a certain year isn't easy. It becomes progressively easier after the year in question. And that year is 1934. Prior to 34, we have the long-count fight that you heard last week from 1927. That was also the last fight in the career of Jack Dempsey, considered to be among the first big sports heroes of the early part of the 20th century. Red Grange and Bobby Jones could also lay a claim to that title. Then, of course, there was George Herman Ruth. You know him, the babe. We can wax poetic for hours about the multitude of statistics and stories. We can marvel at his accomplishments. But let's delve into some audio, including the sultan of swat ruth came to the majors in july 1914 as a left-handed pitcher and occasional hitter as the legend is known he became an outfielder by the end of the decade and left the boston red Sox for new york in 1920 that year he hit an unheard of 54 home runs and topped that a year later with 59 full teams weren't hitting that many home runs Ruth would also frustrate management and dazzle the press with his late-night escapades and stories of belly aches, hot dogs, booze, and mistresses. He ended the 1926 World Series by being caught stealing in Game 7 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Can you imagine the outrage today? He was caught stealing to end the World Series. By 1927, the big fella returned in a big way. He set his sights on a championship and matching and surpassing his home run record. We don't have much in the way of Ruthian audio, save for some rather weak recreations. Let's start in 1923. It's the second game of the World Series, and the site is the Polo Grounds in New York. Listen to the quality and the details, and it's pretty obvious this isn't the actual call of a home run. I have the wind up. Here's a pitch. It's a
1: slow curve low, and the babe swings. It's a long one, a long one going out toward right center. Stingler's backing up against the wall. He can't get it. It's in there. Another home run for the Bambino. So the babe hits his second home run of the day.
0: I also struggled to find the recreation of Ruth's 60th home run in 1927, though I'm quite sure it exists, and we can play it in a future show. Of course, the Yankees would go on to win the World Series, beating the Pittsburgh Pirates in four. And yes, indeed, Ruth did match and surpass those 59 home runs with 60 in 1927. On to 1932. After Murderer's Row rolled through the Pirates in 27 and the Cardinals in 1928, the Yankees didn't appear again in the fall classic until 32 against the Chicago Cubs. We know that the 32 World Series was on both NBC and the Columbia Broadcasting System, founded after NBC in 1927. The two networks had been producing separate broadcasts of the series since the Yankees Pirates matchup of 27. Of course, we've come to know Columbia as CBS, and they had Bob Elson, Pat Flanagan, and Ted Husing on the broadcasts from Yankee Stadium and Wrigley Field. Husing is a name that will come up again throughout our series. Over on NBC, Hal Totten, Tom Manning, and Graham McNamee shared the microphones. In the fifth inning of Game 3 in Chicago on Saturday, October 1st, Ruth strolled to the plate against Cubs right-hander Charlie Root. After motioning that he didn't like the first two pitches, the Bambino promised to hit the next pitch out. The details of the encounter are often disputed, but there are a few things that are clear. For one, video evidence has shown that Ruth was pointing at something. Perhaps he was motioning at the Chicago dugout since they had been harassing him. Maybe he was pointing at Ruth. But whatever it was, the result was clear in this recreation.
1: The one in one pitch.
0: That one go past him also. He never took the bat off his shoulder.
1: One and two on Ruth. Now Babe braces that finger again and looks out at Charlie. Ruth gets his sign from Gabby.
0: Into the windup. Here's the one and two pitch. A swing. It was known after that as the called shot, and it just added to the legend of Babe Ruth. Now we come to 1934. Baseball had a new tradition on its hands with the creation of the All-Star Game. Such exhibition games had been tried before, such as in 1911, when a collection of American League All-Stars came together to play the Cleveland Naps, before they became known as the Indians, to honor star pitcher Addie Joss, who had died of meningitis just after turning 31 years old. The game was organized to raise money for Joss's family. Hal Chase, a first baseman of questionable reputation for the New York Highlanders, also known as the Yankees, had three hits for the American League in their 5-3 win. We move to July 6, 1933, the date of the first official All-Star game. It was played at Comiskey Park in Chicago. Created by Chicago Tribune sports writer Arch Ward, it was intended to be a one-time affair. But its success led to the game becoming a tradition. In fact, the game has been held annually and had a brief stretch where two All-Star games were played. There was no game, however, in 1945 due to World War II. The American League won the first game 4-2. to Perhaps it's no surprise that the first home run in All-Star history was hit by none other than Mr. Ruth. The 1934 game moved the action to the polo grounds in New York. Across the Harlem River from Yankee Stadium, Ruth was one of 17 future Hall of Famers in the starting lineup for the two leagues. France Locks and Ted Husing broadcast the game on CBS, while Tom Manning, Ford Bond, and Graham McNamee had the call on NBC. What is significant for us is that, by all accounts, This is the oldest surviving full game broadcast, perhaps in any American sport. A Yankees-Tigers game from September of 1934 is considered to be the oldest full regular season broadcast. But let's listen to the opening of this historic call on July 10th, 1934. By this point in his career, Graham McNamee had been relegated to a pre- and post-game host. His play-by-play days were mostly behind him. But let's listen to McNamee open the broadcast.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Today we're out at the Polo Ground, that historic old home of the New York Giants, nestled in the lee of Coogan's Bluff on the island of Manhattan. The occasion, of course, is the playing of the second annual all-star baseball game between the outstanding performers of the National and the American League. And boy, what an aggregation of ball tossers are wandering around there, down there on that field right now. You know, last year, the first of these all-star games was played out at Comiskey Field in Chicago. And that ended with a victory for the younger league, the Americans, the final score being four to nothing. That day, a young fellow who had his 20th birthday in big leagues baseball, only the day before yesterday, and who intends to quit as a regular at the end of this season. He broke up that ball game with a towering home run with a man on the pad. His name, as you all know, is Babe Ruth. Or George Herman Ruth, if you will. And for years, his specialty has been breaking up ball games.
0: If there was a criticism of McNamee, it was that he was not the most prolific play-by-play announcer. And in fact, by this point, was making some mistakes. Just listen to him kind of fumble his way through this opening segment as he hands off the play-by-play duties.
1: Tommy Manning will uh, tell you first about the, play, the play-by-play through the entire game. Between innings, Ford Bond will talk to us and uh, give us some of the high spots inning by inning. After the game, it'll be my pleasure to come back again on the microphone and talk about the game to some extent. Not too long, I hope. And uh, now this is Graham McNamee speaking. The National League is... uh, the, the National Broadcasting Company. The National Broadcasting Company is sending you the details of this game. And here's Red Tom Manning. Come in, Tom.
0: From a baseball history standpoint, the game had a moment of huge significance. Carl Hubble, King Carl as he was known, started for the National League in his home ballpark. Charlie Gehringer led off the game with a single and moved to second on an error. Ball, two,
1: and strike one. Here it is. He flies the ball foul in the center field. It's Tommy Ganger rounding first, going to second. at close to throw. He's stays. He's stays at second base. That will be scored as a single for Tommy Kali and as our for center fielder
0: Wally Berger. Heine Manoosh followed with a walk, with two on and nobody out. Here comes Babe Ruth. To our knowledge, this is the oldest actual play-by-play. Featuring the greatest player in baseball history.
1: Now we have Heine on first, Tommy going around second, and the mighty substance clock Listen to that cheer for Facebook. Just at the moment, Manager Bill Perry, Frankie Fritz, Sabbath Jackson, Ty trainer, are all in there around Paul Hubble. And they're having, as Bill Mundy would say, a got his shoes Hubble. And by the way, Bill Mundy uh, is here with us in the box today. And a little later on, we're going to have Bill come over and say hello to you. I know you'll all be anxious to hear him. Ball players may come and they may go, but here is the king of the ball in the batter's box. Pulling that old bat up and down, he knocks the dust off the shoes, and he's ready to face the great Paul Hubble. The pitch it is a strike over the heart of the plate. A ball strike on Babe Ruth the first inning, you know. Nobody else. Tiny Manoush is on first. Let me tell the base on ball. Charlie Gehringer is on second base. Here's the pitch. Ball, it's outside. 4-1 and strike one. Fans are all yelling the American League fans of sports. Crowd is split here. And there's the American League fans of course, the point for base to part one of the bleachers. One and one The pitch. He swings, he misses. It's a strike. Dave was the from way back on that one. He was aiming for it someplace over in Krugan's Bluff, I don't know, but he was certainly swinging from way back. Strike two and ball one is the foul. Tiny Manouche is on first. Charlie Gehringer is on second. Nobody is out. Paul Hubble, the great master league foul for the Giants is in the box. Here it is. Strike three! Strike three, he's out!
0: With one out, Lou Gehrig stepped in knocks the dust off his shoes, pulls down his cap, and
1: takes his stance in there. Hit the ball. High. Outside. This boy Gary Galeau is he responsible for the position of the New York Yankees in the American League. Here's the pitch. He swings. He misses. Right two. Drew Gary, the mighty hitting first sacker of the New York Yankees is up there with Runners on first and second. One man out. Ball. That was low inside. Gary stepped up on that all ready to punch it, but it both low inside. And now the count is ball two and strike one. Gabby Hartman of the Chicago Cubs is the catcher. Kyle Hovel is in the box. The first inning. One man out. No score. Runners on first and second. Here's the pitch to Gary. It's too low. Ball three. Kyle Hubble is working awfully hard out there. And well he should with this array of sluggers coming up. Jimmy Fox is hanging around home plate. You've all heard, of course, of Jimmy Fox, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, following in the road. Murderer's road, make no mistake about it. Three and one is the count here's the pitch. It's a strike, a fast ball right down the old alley. Gary has elected to work out his string with Carl Hubble, and now the count is ball three and strike two. It is very possible now that Gary around second, Van on first, will be off with the pitcher's motion. However, we have but one out. We shall see the attack of Joe Coleman on this next play. Three and two, you know. who has a big lead off first. There they go, they're running. Gary swings, he misses he strikes out. But the double steals.
0: Jimmy Fox tried to extend the inning.
1: Carl Hubble is winding up. Here's the pitch to Fox. He swings, he it. Strike one. Boy, how this Hubble is burning him across the plate.
2: Pitching his all hardout out
1: there for the cause of the National league. Striking out, it's those two great hitters, Dave Root and Lou Gehrig. Two men out, runners on second and third. Fox is up. Strike the pitch. Ball one. That was a curveball. Side, and the count is ball one and strike one on Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox is playing third base for the American Leaguers this afternoon. Here's the wind-up again. Ball one, strike one. It's a foul, foul up over the stands in the back and the count on Jimmy Fox is strike two. Gabby Hawkman gets a new ball from umpire furban. And whips it down by Trainer at third. The trainer takes his the off, rubs it up a little, and then runs halfway over to the pitcher's box where he crosses it by Hubble. Boy, what pitching the trouble is doing out there. The first two men are up got on, and then he struck out. Bruce and Carey. And here's the pitch. Strike two and ball one. Ball two. Ball two. It was high outside, and the count on Jimmy's box is strike two and ball two. No score again in the first half of the first inning. Two men out. Scheringer is on third, Manus is on second, and boxes up two and two. And here it is, the pitch. He swings it. He, he's out. He's out. He's stuck out. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. He's stuck out. Three strikeouts for Carl Hubble. Come in, four, Tom. A ball player's dream, yes, or a manager's dream, and a pitcher's
0: nightmare. In the bottom of the first, Frankie Frisch, a native of the Bronx who was known as the Fordham Flash, came up against Vernon, Lefty Gomez.
1: Lefty Gomez is in the box for the American Leaguers. I can get the home run. Go, 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 go. It's going, going, going. It's high up into the pieces for a home run. A home run for Quanky Freak with the Watt crowd.
0: Gomez set the NL down in order after that, but Hubble wasn't done. In the second, after striking out the side in the first, he faced Al Simmons.
1: I Hubbell, the South Ball, the Giants is in the box again. Al Simmons, the right-hand hitter, is up the pitch. All one, a fast ball, was high on the outside. As we went into the first half of the second inning, the National Leaguers are out in front by the score of one to nothing. Al Simmons leads off for the Americans in the second inning. He swings and misses the fighting swing, turning all the way around. That's a beautiful pivot you know that Simmons has. Digs his toes in the dirt, swings all around, and the count is Ball one and strike one. Manager Joe Cronin is hanging around home plate. Coming up next, the pitch, strike two. There was that old screwball, came in there shoulder high, and then dove down, and Simmons swung over it, and the count is strike two and ball one. First man up for the American Leaguers in the second inning. Here's the pick. He's out, he's swinging, strikes out, one ball.
0: Joe Cronin of the Red Sox tried his luck against King Carl.
1: Boys and girls, this boy Hubble is a pitcher. Joe Cronin is up there. He gets him right-handed, you know. The first is a foul up and back. Up on top of the first box, and the count on Joe Cronin is strike one. Freeman crosses out another new ball. Gabby Hartman puts it down to Bill Terry at first. Terry rubs it off a little bit and then crosses it over to Carl Hubble. First half of the second inning. One to nothing in favor of the National Leaguers. One man out and nobody is on. Here's the pitch to Bowman. Strike two swinging. That old blue ball Kyle Hubbles is working in there beautifully this afternoon. It must be when you strike out four hitters like that. Blue scary Cox, Ben Simmons. Now he has the count two and nothing on Joe Bowman. One man out, nobody out on the pitch. It's too high. 4-1. That was just about the fastest ball that Hubble has passed in there this afternoon with a count two or nothing. He's a smart pitcher, you know. He's whipped that fast one in there. Here's the pitch again. Good one. Quick three swinging. He struck him out. Five strikeouts in the room for a Hubble of the fast of
0: Finally, Bill Dickey of the Yankees broke up the strikeout streak with a single, but Lefty Gomez became the sixth strikeout victim for Carl Hubble. In all, he struck out five Hall of Famers in a row. He pitched into the third when Ruth stepped in again.
1: Babe Ruth gets a great as he comes up for the second side. Half time up, Babe Ruth struck out. The American League is half of the third inning. One run behind, two outs, nobody on, out, and Babe Ruth is up. Strike, ball. A rather slow curve ball, just above the knees and over the heart of the plate. They decided to wait for another one. A called strike, one to nothing is the count. The pitch, ball. That was over, just a little bit too low, and the count on favorite. Ball one, and strike one. The score is one to nothing in favor of the National League. First half of the third inning. Two outs. Nobody on. double pitching. Here it is. It's too low. Ball two. And strike one on Babe Ruth. Blue Gary is hanging around home plate. Who is is coming up there next, to you know. Two outs. Nobody on. Babe Ruth. Ball two. Strike one. The pitch. A Over into the National League's dugout, which is along first base. And that evens the count at ball two and strike two. There's a lot of people out there on the National League's infield. A lot of baseball players out there, incidentally. Three managers, Terry Fritz and Slater. And a captain, Travis Jackson. Two and two to pitch Ball three. That one's right Stayed through away from the plate. It was high inside. And now the, the count on the base. Ball three and strike two. Nobody on base and all two outs. There's the windup, three and two, three and two. Ball four. That was high inside, driving a baby again out of the batter's box, and he walked.
0: Hubble left the game after three innings, allowing no runs on two hits with two walks and six strikeouts. The American League was down 4 nothing before putting up two in the fourth, and six in the top of the fifth. The NL came back with three more in the fifth, but the junior circuit tacked one more on in the sixth. Things stayed quiet after that, and the American League came away with their second consecutive All-Star Game victory, winning 9-7 to in front of over 48,000 fans. The game took two hours and 44 minutes to play.
1: Any kind of a splash bar is tied up, you know. Strike two ball around the pitch As it drives out first they way, Kerry fumbles the ball. It he is it too out of the close play and the ball game is over in favor of the American League. False four of nine to seven. This is Tom Manning saying good afternoon from the Polo of Grounds in New York. And here's Graham McKinney. Come in, Graham. Thanks, Tom. There are so many features in this ball game that we won't try to go into them at all. It's time to go now. The crowd is too out on the field, They're all just getting to the exit, and so will we. Uh, this is Graham Hackney speaking, and we'll leave you now and just by telling you that. Uh, the the result of this game has been given to you by Tom Manning on play by play and fourth down between innings. And I've had the pleasure being here too. And uh, through the facilities of the national broadcast. Goodbye.
0: Mel Harder pitched five innings of relief for the win. Can you imagine something that would never happen today in an all star game? Van Lingle Mungo, a hard throwing right hander for the Brooklyn Dodgers, took the loss. Mungo is better known in some circles as being the title of a song by jazz musician Dave Frischberg. The 1969 Bossa Nova song is made up entirely of names of old-time ballplayers. As for Ruth, he hit twice more, a walk to start the fifth, and came around to score on a single by Fox. Then he hit again in the same frame and grounded out. He finished 0-for-2 in what was his last All-Star game. His Yankees teammate Ben Chapman replaced him in the bottom of the fifth inning. Ruth would leave the Yankees for the Boston Braves in 1935, desperate to become a manager. But the Braves, much like the Brooklyn Dodgers later on, just wanted the Babe around to draw in fans. He never did become a manager. Babe Ruth died of cancer in 1948, and I'm quite sure we'll feature him again. We finish the show with a tip of the cap to the Babe's daughter. Julia Ruth Stevens, whom Ruth adopted when he married Claire Hodgson in 1929. Julia died over the weekend at the age of 102. She threw out the ceremonial first pitch in the last game at Yankee Stadium in 2008. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Adams. Join us next time as we continue to dig through the archives of sports, news, and history on Tales from the Booth. Tales from the Booth was written and produced by Rob Adams. All copyrights and credits for the audio used on this show belongs to the rightful owner, though many are now in the public domain. Theme music, Swing Has Swung, is by Shane Ivers. Find out more online at silvermansound.com. As always, if you have any suggestions or have discovered some audio worth discussing, let me know. You can find Rob Casting Radio on Twitter and Facebook And our email address is robcastingradio at gmail.com. This program is copyright 2019. Robcasting Radio and Robcasting Media. All rights reserved.